For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, I hope all is well, mate. How have you been this past week? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Dan. Um, a mixed bag for us, wasn't it, um, over the last two games that we'll cover tonight. But uh, this weekend kind of got this week off to a really good start. So I think we're all a little bit more upbeat. Yes, it's meant to be Blue Monday today, isn't it? But I don't think it's so blue after a win yesterday. Also joining us is James. James, a pleasure to be reunited with you once more. How have you been since a fortnight ago? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks, Dan. Um, obviously, as Carl says, quite a lot of football to talk about, a lot of talking points, which is what we like. Uh, and a good result yesterday, which is, uh, I think we all needed that to pick ourselves up, didn't we? Absolutely. And last but not least is Pod Squad member Holly. So, Holly, a bit of first team podcast action tonight. Are you ready to get some more minutes under your belt? Oh, of course. I think I need to rack them up a bit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Thanks for having me on again. Not a problem. Always a pleasure. So, before we get stuck in, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, just let us know and we'll get it on there for you. Also... Somebody has kindly left a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts, our first one. So firstly, we want a lot more of those. And more importantly, I don't know who it was. So if, if it was you, just say hello to me, at Dan Tracy, on Twitter, so I can thank you properly. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, as we've just said, was a mixed bag this week, as we've seen the goods and the not-so-good from Tottenham. And Cole, although it's three points on Sunday, which we'll get to later on, those drop points against Fulham will certainly smart a bit, won't they? Yeah, frustrating, isn't it, Dan? You know, we seem to kind of, you know, it, it kind of is the same mirror result as some of the other frustrating results we've had this season. Um, and again, you're left sitting there thinking, I, you know, what if and, and if only we'd done this or if only we could have done that. Um, and given where we are at the moment in the table, you just kind of left ruin these chances that you think, where could we have been if we didn't drop the silly sort of points that we have in that game like Fulham, you know, and the previous other games where it's kind of been Groundhog Day for us and, and the same mistakes and the same mentality has come back to bite us. And Fulham was just kind of, like I say, it really was a Groundhog Day from some of our previous performances. Uh, and when that final whistle blew, you kind of were just getting a little bit frustrating, uh, you know, and just, again, sitting there thinking, if only, you know, the, and we really do need to kind of cut that sort of performance out because this is a really open premiership season and there is a chance that, you know, if you can put a good run together, you give yourself a real chance of being in with a title shout. Um, and if, you know, we can just sort of cut that performance out and stop dropping those silly points, we really should be up there right now and be right in it and, and having everyone say, yes, this is a team that can go on and win it. But, Again, another frustrating night, unfortunately. Because the thing is, James, we have seen it all before. And more importantly, we've seen it all before this season, as Carl was just alluded to. So you look at it and you think that's another opportunity spurned to really get right back in the title race after what was a slump. So we've sort of said earlier in the season that 
it's a crazy season. We can absorb these results because everyone else is dropping points, blah de blah. But we are getting to the point of the season where they are really going to come back to haunt you. And could this one be the most important? Yeah, I think it's definitely up there. Um, you know, you're looking you're looking at a team like like Fulham, and, and you think that's the team that we should be putting to bed. Um, you know, it, we the thing that that gets me about games is that when we start playing like a proper attacking football team, we look irresistible, and we look like no team in the league can 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 handle us because we've got such good individual players that when they play with the shackles off and when they play this this attacking football. You know, I'm talking about the the football in the first 15 minutes of the game when we're trying to go one 0 up. It's we look fantastic, and that's why it's so frustrating that we don't play like that all the time. Because you know, it it not only does it look great and it and it and it creates goals, it also relieves the pressure on the defence because you know we're defending from the front and we've got most of the ball. And 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 at the end of the day, if we're not sitting back and, and not giving them the ball not conceding chances, then we're not going to concede goals. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just frustrating to see because we know just how good this team could be. And, and as you rightly say, there's 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 so many points on the board there that, that are, you know, are what ifs, you know, hypothetical. What, what if we had won that game? What if, you know, what if this had happened? What if Son hadn't hit the post? All that. Um, but the, the, the reality is we've had chances in all of these games to put the game to bed and, and we haven't done so. So, yeah, it's frustrating, um, but like you say, there's there's plenty of games to go, and and it doesn't look like anyone really wants to win the league this year, which is a saving grace for us because any other season we'd be uh, we'd be miles out of it. Well, I think this is the kind of thing that you can latch onto that although drop points have been far too many, we're not out of the race because if you look at Liverpool, they're going going through their blip at the moment, and it is a case of sort of everyone's topsy turvy, and it's all about who's going to time their proper run at the very end of the season, right? So. It is doom and gloom when you lose, but obviously Sunday is the, the tonic to that. But, Holly, if we look at Sunday's Harry Kane comment very quickly, because it, I think, has more credence to what happened on Wednesday night. He's saying that the players haven't been told to sit back and protect and drop back and all this, and all this sort of cautious nature. So if, if they're not being told, why is that happening? Maybe it's just their mentality again. They're so used to what's the word, go a goal behind, the defence is shaking, that's it, we've got to try and tighten up because we can't keep conceding silly goals like that. And maybe they just blip in their heads. Like I said, I think that going forward, I think we are exceptional. And I think there was a lot of times in, especially the Fulham game, where we could have just killed the game off like we've already touched on. But it seems to, I don't know, they just see red and it's like, right, we've just got to try and hang on here because things aren't going our way. So I don't know whether Jose... Or Harry have some sort of thing going on. I, when I say thing, I mean, are they being tactical in what they say to the media? I don't really know. But I also think Harry would just come out and say how it is personally. So maybe Jose isn't telling them to sit back. But when you see this quite a lot of the time at the moment, you are thinking to yourself, is Jose actually saying something in the changing room? Or is he saying, look, you, you've got this game in the bag. Let's try and get a few more and keep it as it is. So it's a tough one to see. But if Harry Kane's saying it, Harry Kane's our man at the end of the day, so you've just got to kind of believe what he's saying. Now, Cole, when we spoke about the build-up to the Fulham game last week, you said that the fact that the opposition was going to change in very quick time from Villa to Fulham would have no real bearing on the match, and I think you're right in that aspect. But if we try and look at it from a Fulham lens very quickly, they're sort of umbrage at the fact they had to play so soon. Do you reckon that's the equivalent of Scott Parker sort of putting up the thing on the dressing room saying, right, that's your motivation, go out and get a performance? 
I, I'm not necessarily sure it is because, you know, it, it wasn't like we, you know, we really stuck the knife into Fulham or anything like that. You know, the decision was made by the Premier League at the end of the day. I think what we saw was a Fulham side that came there with nothing to lose because obviously, you know, we are expected to take the points at home given the season Fulham are having. Um, so I think they could come knowing that, you know, well, listen, you know, this is kind of one of them games that's a bit of a free hit because when you look over the course of your fixtures throughout the season, there's certain fixtures you probably tick off that, well, we might, we probably won't get nothing there, we won't get nothing there. So I think they just came and, and they were able to kind of, you know, relax into the game. You know with us, you know, you're not going to get a side that's going to try to stop you playing football. Um, so if you are a side that like to play, you can do that against Spurs, that's for sure. Um, you know you're going to get opportunities, I think. I think Scott would have just said, you know, if we can just make sure we're still in the game, like as they were, 1-0 coming into the second half, then as we've seen over the course of the season, then anything can happen. Fulham looked quite good going forward, I felt. You know, in, even in the first half, they kind of had a few attacks where you thought, yep, yeah, okay, there's some pace there. Um, they, they could cause us problems. I think they got lucky, you know, I wouldn't say they got lucky, but obviously they were helped in hindsight by the fact that we didn't take some of the chances we had. The goalkeeper, again, has had a blinder with some of the saves that he's pulled off. Um, and, and we were a little bit wasteful with some of our chances. And it is in the Premier League era, you know, if it's 1-0, you've still got a chance because each team, as we've seen, has that ability and capability going forward that they can create a problem and they can score goals. Unfortunately, you could see as the game was going on and deep into that second half... You know, they looked the stronger for me uh, towards the end of the game. You know, they seem to have the fresher legs and, and look more dangerous towards the end of the game. We seem to be kind of sort of flagging a little bit and running out of ideas. Um, and eventually, they, you know, it cost us. We, you know, we had that slight lapse, you know, a defensively poor goal to concede. Um, but in too typical Spurs fashion, the guy that scores a header from there, you know, hasn't scored since he was born um, in football. And Spurs come along and he gets his first game. And as usual, the following game, you know, he misses an absolute sitter against Chelsea that, you know, he would have buried against us. So I think we were, you know, we caused our own downfall. But I don't think Fulham came thinking, right, we've got to get one over this mob, that's for sure. James, they certainly look lively, Fulham. And I think maybe that kind of woke Spurs up towards the end. Sorry, not towards the end. In that kind of first half period. And after Fulham's early skirmishes, we finally started picking away at the door. And then blasted through it with a superb Harry Kane header. So obviously, great aerial ability from him. But I think credit has to go from the cross on the left-hand side. Yeah, and that's exactly what I mean, Dan. When, when we get going and when we start playing football like that, there's, there's no team in the league that, that would have been able to stop that goal. You know, the, the crossfield ball, first of all, is I think it's Hoiberg. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, and then and then the cross from, from Reggion, that's you're never going to get anywhere near that. It's absolutely perfect from start to finish. Um, and, it, and it just makes you question, you know, what, why couldn't we have, have mustered a, you know, an, another couple of moves like that um, throughout the rest of the game? Because if we can do that, surely we can, we can nab a couple more, especially when Fulham are coming out of their shell a little bit and having to attack more because they're 1-0 down. Surely that leaves more space for us to, to do our thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, for me, there's every, every time we do something like that, it's, it's kind of tinged in sadness because it's like, you know, that's the one, that's the one part, bit of magic that we're going to see this game. And, uh, you know, that's, it's, 
you know, you just ask these questions: why why can't we do that more than more than once, and why aren't we burying teams four or five nil if we if we could have done if we can play football like that? Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great goal. Um, it's it's perfect for Harry. It's just in front of him, so that he's got to kind of divert the ball into the bottom corner, and and even their keeper having the best day of his life in between the sticks wasn't going to save that one. So yeah, got us off to a, to a great start. And, and again, you, you'd think, what if, what if we'd kicked on from there? Well, Holly, unfortunately we didn't kick on. And as Carl said, Ivan Cavallero scored with a header himself, a goal that has seen Eric Dyer come into the limelight in terms of criticism. How much criticism do you think he will get for that goal? Do you think anything relates to that due to the injury he sort of picked up earlier in the game. I wouldn't say injury because obviously he wasn't off the pitch, but he certainly looked leggy, gingerly at times. So would would that have any bearing? It's a tough one. I mean, for me, I personally feel that Dyer's come on for what he was from the start. That kind of shows how much he's come on. I don't think he's really progressed that far. That's my personal opinion. I think he always looks better when there's someone next to him that commands the game, i.e. Toby. I think those two work really well together. Anyone else, and I'm sat there thinking... Yeah, I'm not feeling this today. But like you said, he did get a knock to start with. So maybe that may have knocked his ability maybe to be able to put a block in or to put a tackle in towards when that goal came in. But yeah, it's for me, Dyer, Dyer isn't the man. And I think that the criticism, to an extent, I think is worthy. Like I said, I, I don't think, for me, I feel confidence when he's in that back line. The fact that I think he'll just carry on playing there because I think Jose does have his favourites. And I think Dyer is that favourite. I think he can try and shape him into the centre-back that he wants. So I think criticism is due, but maybe not to the extent that some people are making it out to be. OK then, Carl, if we stay on the topic of Eric Dyer, it brings us neatly onto our first listener's question of the week, and it's from At Spurs Talking Pod, and he asks, what level of centre-back do us as a collective think Dyer actually is? Where would you rank him, Cole, against other centre-backs in the league? This strange one with with Eric, you know, he's obviously a good leader and and got a good influence in and around the squad. Um, do I think he's a top centre half in the Premier League? I'm not so sure. I don't think you put him up there anywhere near the likes of Virgil Van Dijk at all. Um, I think he's capable. I, I do have worries about him when he's up against a, a real good striker. You know, I think when we play the good sides, we're kind of fortunate that, you know, Jose likes to play that sort of low block and he gets the two defensive midfielders in and around the defenders and that gives them a lot of protection. But we have seen over the course of the season that, you know, Dyer can get himself caught out quite regularly, um, you know, losing his man, misjudging the hot flight of a ball and suddenly, you know, if we look at the Wolves game, you know, just near the death, we suddenly could lose that game because Dyer loses his man and misses the flight of the ball and the striker gets a header in, which fortunately doesn't go in. But that's a reoccurring theme we've seen over the course of the season. And I do feel that, you know, he's okay there, as Holly said, but I think we probably need an upgrade. You know, Toby, we know, doesn't have much longer left. Would I see Eric as being the commanding centre-half that's going to lead the line going forward? Not for me. I, I will think we'll need someone better in there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's OK. But I don't put him in the top echelon, the top centre-backs in the Premier League, that's for sure. OK, then, James. So, does Eric Dyer, is he sort of weighed down by his Mr Utility tag? Now, I know that's a tag that is sort of not as prevalent as such now he's sort of playing centre-back week in, week out. But... Because he's been here, there and everywhere in his career and not been that one central position, does that sort of give other centre-backs a head start because they are playing centre-back week in, week out, whereas he sort of now just 
edging into that position more and more. So does that give him something of a detriment when comparing against other talents? Look, I, I, I don't think it's that, to be honest. And what, what I do think it is, and uh, you know, feel free to jump in if you think I'm wrong here. I think if, if Eric Dyer was playing for someone else, uh, playing for another team, maybe playing in Europe somewhere, and he wasn't playing for Tottenham, I think every Tottenham fan would want him. You know, I, I, I think it's something that I, I despise about about Spurs fans in in general, and and maybe football fans in general. But I mean, my my Twitter feed is is all Spurs fans, so I wouldn't know. But the the grass is always greener, and I think the the certain players who who are always going to be scapegoated. Um, and I think I think Dyer, yeah, he look he he's been out of position for a couple of headers, uh, and and I, but I don't think he's been necessarily at fault for those goals. Um, you know, in the last couple of games, I think Eric Dyer is is a much much better player than than a lot of people give him credit for. And I think, as I say, if if he was playing somewhere else in the Premier League, we'd be begging for us to go get him. That's what I genuinely think. And and you know, I know we're going to come on to the Sheffield game, but yesterday I, I thought the reaction to to Joe Rodon's performance compared to the reaction to Eric Dyer's performance, I actually think. Dyer had a marginally better game than Rodan, but if you if you scroll through your Twitter feed, Joe Rodan's the the the, the best centre half in the Premier League, and he should be starting every game. And Eric Dyer should be sold in January. You know, I I think it's it's just a little bit reactionary um, from Spurs fans. I think you know because Eric maybe because Eric's been here a, a while. Um, he's yeah, his form has come and gone, but I think he. He's been a great player for us, and I think he's actually found a position that that is his position. I think he, you know, I think he's he's grown as a player this season. I think if he, you know, the way that I used to talk about Sissoko, really, in that I think he needs to know his limitations and and not try things that that, that he's not able to do. You know, it, we've seen in in Toby's absence, he's kind of tried to start spraying the ball about, and that's something that he isn't necessarily great at. So. In the same way as as we as I said about Sissoko a couple of weeks ago, if he if he stops trying to spray the ball around and sticks to the to the to the basics and does what he does what he does well, continues doing that well, then I think he he'll, he'll be a great player. Um, I think when when Toby isn't there, he kind of feels the need to start trying to spray the ball around, uh, and 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 sometimes it, you know it's it's not necessarily what we need, but you know I I. I mean, we'll go on to Roden, of course. I'm sure we will, Dan. But I, I wasn't that impressed with him yesterday. And I know, you know, a lot of people have been saying that that he he should be starting every game. But I haven't been sold on on him at all against you know against Chelsea and and yesterday. I wasn't I wasn't that sold. And I think it's just because he's new. He's a fresh face, fresh face. Sorry, and and he's. You know, I think Eric Dyer gets a lot of slack. So um, I think a lot of time we can be reactionary and. And I think he gets a lot of unnecessary stick. Like, like I say, we we, we tend to look well, as a fan base, we tend to look for scapegoats, and for some reason, um, Eric, Eric Dyer is is one of them. I, uh, and I, I think it's a little bit harsh. I think he's a great player for us, and and for me, I think he he starts every Premier League game, and that's for a reason. Okay, then let's go on to Rodon now. Then Holly is James right in the sense that there's some recency bias that almost Rodon is the shiny new toy that everyone is just wanting to succeed more and more. And that's not a bad thing, obviously, because you want new players to bed in and be great. But are we sort of dazzled by the headlights because he's the new signing and it's like, yes, get him in, forget Dyer. Is that a fair statement to make? 
I mean, yeah, he is a new face, and I'd probably hold my hands up and say that I thought, I thought personally that he played well because there was an instance where he managed to cover for Darwin. I thought that had a bit of a boo-boo. So personally, I think he played really well. And yeah, okay, we're we're all victim to it. We're all a bit reactionary on Twitter. That's just what Twitter is. Let's be honest. And it's a fair comment, but I'd I'd never think to ship Dyer out. I just think personally, he'd be good for the bench, or he'd be good as someone that could do a rotational player for me I think we need to get an upgrade that's what I'd never want to shift him out but I think from the way I've seen his play him play and I think he's not he's not bad but I just think we need someone better personally because I I just don't think he's the player to replace Toby okay then Carl let's say we need to get an upgrade if we do then arguably we've probably got one body too many we may even have one body too many at the moment so you've got Aldeviril, Dyer, Sanchez, Roden, Tanganga, Davis can also do a shift centre back. If you get an upgrade, which one's going? Well, I think, you know, I think come the end of this season, we'll have two of them that are going because obviously, you know, I love Toby and since he's been with the club, he's he's been a brilliant servant. But I think, you know, time is ticking on and unfortunately for centre halves as each year goes by you know it's unlike goalkeepers where you can improve um, centre half suddenly find the pace gets you know too much for them so I think Toby come the end of this season will start to take you know a more backward seat in the amount of games he gets and I definitely think that come the end of this season we'll probably see Sanchez moved on um, during the summer whether or not you know Levy plays his hardball to try and get the sort of money he's spent on him or whether they kind of cut their losses but I think we'll see Sanchez move on uh, which I don't think you know too many of the Spurs fan base will be that disappointed in you know I think you know Sanchez looked like you know his first season I felt he came in and did really well in that first season with us and we really thought we had a solid centre half but as, as the seasons have gone on you know he just looks like there's a mistake always waiting to happen um you know, I think the goal, the, the goal for, for the Fulham goal was somewhat down to him as well. You know, I think he jumps in on the tackle um, and gets done on, on the wing, um, which allows the player to then get the cross in. And I think it's something we see Sanchez do far too often. You know, he, he wants to try and win the ball all the time. And there are certain times during a game as a centre-half where you need to let the centre-forward win it and just don't do nothing silly and give a free kick away. So I think we'll see those two um, potentially, you know, Sanchez will be gone, Toby will take a backward step. And then it might be that we will see the likes of Rodon come through and have more games. The one thing I will say about Rodon, obviously, is that, you know, I'm with James, you know, his first game against Chelsea, everybody raved about him, where I was kind of on the fence thinking, you know, there's two mistakes there that on another day cost us the game and everyone's looking kind of in a different light. Um, you know, the game against Marine. I don't think you can kind of judge anything on that no. game saying that he deserves a place in the side after that because, listen, you know, you're playing, you know, no disrespect, but Binman and Postman, and if you're an international footballer, that should be a walk in the park. Um, again, you know, the other thing you say about Sunday's game is I thought he did okay. Him and Dyer did well back there. But again, you're playing against a team in Sheffield United that didn't really offer much quality up top, you know, for me. So the test comes when you play against the better sides for him. But 
what we've seen early doors shows that there is a player in there and one that if he develops the way we hope he does, we could have another good, strong centre-half on our hands. But I still think we need to be in the market for a real commanding centre-half who's going to lead that back line over the course of the next three or four seasons and hopefully bring the sort of trophies or titles that we hope. I don't see a leader in there naturally other than Toby for me out of all our centre-halves. Um, and that would be the one area that I think if we're going to look for one, we need to try and try and buy a commanding centre-half who's going to lead the line. OK, then, James, I've got another insight now from the listeners. It's from Jonathan Williams, and he says that he thinks that we dropped points against Fulham, not because we sat back, but because we didn't convert the high percentage of chances that we normally do. Now, it's pretty obvious, you know, if you don't convert chances, you don't win matches. But he says that's now Fulham, Wolves, Palace, Newcastle, where well, that's all happened. So... Does Sunday now become the blueprint going forward? I think it has to. Um, I, I think he's absolutely right in what he says. Look, if, if we bury the, the chances that we that we do get uh, in all of those games, you know, you can think back and there's there's so many chances in those games that have gone that have gone not gone our way. Look, we Harry Kane hit the post, you know, against West Ham to make it four 0 um, Sonny's hit the post twice in in two of these games. You know, it's. It's fine margins, but you can't expect us to to, to score every shot. Um, you know, I, I know that's a that's a really obvious cliche thing to say, but you know, if if we were going to expect our strikers to to have two chances a game and bury them both, then why are we expecting to 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 sit back for half an hour and give even a team like Fulham who have struggled for goals all season? Why are we willing to give them five or six chances and not expect them to score any of them? That you know, if if we if you're going to argue about statistics, then that that's what it comes down to. Um, that that's my main gripe has been with with the 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 style of football that we're playing. Whether you you argue that that Jose has told them to sit back or the players are sitting back, the argument it's, it doesn't it doesn't matter because Tottenham are sitting back. You know, you, you haven't you haven't got to be a master tactician to look at that the way that we played football in the second half against Fulham. Whether Jose was telling them to sit back or whether it was up on themselves, Tottenham was sitting back and Fulham were having chances, and nothing, nothing was changing. And and it's I think it's the third time this season that I've you know I've I've turned to the person watching the game with me and I've said they're they're going to score soon. This you know you haven't got to be a genius to work out that if you give a team so many attempts on goal or you you know you you let them get conf- more because conf- that's what we did against Fulham. We we gave them confidence. That they could score a goal, and if you're going to sit back and let them let, let them attack you like that, then that, the ball's going to drop to you in the six-yard box. Look at Jeffrey Schlupp at, uh, at Crystal Palace. You know, it's you're going to get that stroke of luck at some point. Um, and yet we 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 talk about our strikers and oh yeah, but they should have scored this chance. They should have got that. They're they're putting away a high percentage of chances as it is. We can't expect them to put every single one away. Uh, and yet, and yet, we we expect the the teams we're playing against to 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 not put any of their chances away. It's it's it makes no sense. So, as you say, the the blueprint absolutely needs to be like at Sheffield. You know, we've scored a goal at you know early in the game, five minutes in, fantastic. But that's that can't be enough. You know, we can't ex- we can't expect to do what we did at, at at Wolves, for instance. We scored in the first minute there. And, and I think that, you know, we didn't attack for the rest of the game until we needed to. So it needed to be the, the what we did against Sheffield, grab another one. And, and 
and then you know why not grab another one because because we we already we we were all saying it at the time that Sheffield was so bad defensively that that every time we got at them it, it felt like we could score a goal so why not you know the Man City seem to put teams like this to the sword every time they play look at look at the Palace game the weekend you know we could have put Palace to the sword like like they did we we were absolutely all over Palace until uh, until we scored the goal and then sat back and then look at look at what Man City have done they scored four goals with with ease you know it, at the end of the day like I say whether it's Jose telling them to do it or not Spurs can't play football the way that they're playing football because you can't expect to be able to cling on by your fingernails and not and not expect the bounce of the ball or expect you know an opposition striker just to find the bottom corner because it's going to happen at some point and we can't live off hoping that Kane and Son will score every single goal every every chance they get because they're also not going to do that so yeah Sheffield has to be the blueprint going forward well I guess the argument is Holly that if you look at Tottenham as a whole they are a relatively efficient team in front of goal in that they don't waste much but we're not creating as much as we'd like so is there an argument to be not gung-ho but as James uses the perfect example Man City that they create a lot more and the byproduct is usually they score a lot more also yeah, definitely. It just seems like we get one and then we just think we can coast through the game just at 1-0 and just sitting back. And then it's all panic stations when there's an equaliser. I just, I can't really get my brain around it. And like James has said, if the players have decided themselves to sit back or the manager, it doesn't matter. I just want to see us be able to be comfortable because we all know at heart that our defence at times or us as a unit just can't seem to defend set pieces. I mean, it's getting better but there's always a scenario where it goes to the wire and it goes in and then we've equalised. So, yeah, for me, it's just like, let's just get a few in front and then you can coast and sit back and do what you like. But until you've got that second, that third goal, if we're killing teams like we were with the way we, our style of play, the way we can whip a ball in, the way we can get it in the back of the net, why can't we just carry on doing that for a little bit longer? OK, right, that's the negative half of the last seven days out of the way. Let's fast forward to the positive, because if there was some tonic to be dealt after Wednesday's woe, it came on Sunday afternoon. And Cole, a win is a win, but let's be honest, it was nothing more than a routine win all the same. Yeah, it was a good performance, I felt. You know, from, from the start to finish, I thought we were kind of on the front foot. As you say, there wasn't any period of game where you felt we kind of backed off and, and took our foot off the gas. Um, and, and actually, you know, I felt it, you know, it was a solid performance. We did what we needed to. Um, you know, Sheffield United, it's, you know, the drop from them from last season to this season is, you know, I, I, I had no vision that this would come for them um, and they'd be as bad as they are. But we took advantage of it. We put in, you know, some some certain players I felt had really good games. You know, it's, that's the best I've seen Steve Bergvine play in a Spurs shirt so far. Um, he looked dangerous and, you know, was was making things happen. You know, the, the front three were just on fire and you kind of felt when we went forward, we could score, you know, if we put the right passes in, we could score whenever we wanted to. And, and I felt we looked reasonably solid defensively for a change um, where at no point was I under, you know, you're fearing that, well, hold on, you know, this game could turn at any moment. So I think we have to give credit and that's a sort of performance that if we can use that as the blueprint going forward um, when we play sort of sides around that, that level or that sort of team, that's what we should be doing to most teams other than those in and around the top six where, again, you know, we'll go back to this. I think, you know, we'll use this 
all the time while Jose's in charge, I think. You know, if we put that sort of performance in against everyone else other than the top six and we play that way, we'll have no problems. And again, I don't think as fans you have any problem with the grinding out the one nils or the ugly draws away from home at places like Anfield or, you know, or Man City. Knowing if you know, right, against those teams, we've got a game plan and it's going to work. But when we come up against what we should, should consider lesser opposition or teams where we should be stronger than, that's the way we want to play, the way we played this weekend against Sheffield United. I, I think as a fan base, we'd be a lot happier. Now, James, with Sheffield United being bottom of the table, there's always a sense that a win would be nothing more than meeting expectation. The, yeah, but it's only Sheffield United. With that said, it's certainly a welcome win after not just Wednesday, but an iffy run of form in the league. And one that just tilts the title complexion back in the right direction, doesn't it? When you consider drop points later in the afternoon for both Liverpool and Man United. Yeah, I mean, in- incredibly, we are still in it. You know, I think, like, like I say, any, any other year, um, I think we'd have been by far and away uh, out of it. But it, it seems like no one, not no one wants to win it, but... A lot of teams are, are dropping points, whether it be down to the, the fixed, a fixture schedule or, I don't know, just, I, I don't know what it is. I think I think a lot of teams are, are struggling um, and, there's, and there's no standout team that that are going to are gonna run away with it. You know, Liverpool, I watched them against Man United, they, they, they didn't impress me at all. I think, you know, their players incredibly are playing with, they look like they're playing with a lack of confidence, you know, and as long as this run can kind of this this non- unconfident run can extend itself you know you, you know that they're going to they're going to find their form at some point because of the players that they've got um you know man united again that's that's a team that I'm not too I'm not too concerned about I think they'll run out of steam as well um it's man city for me who who are the team that that look like they might have the consistency to to go ahead and do it um but again, they've they've got a massive hole in their team. I think they're they're missing a centre forward. So you know, like we said before, um, there's if, if Tottenham can put a good run together, which which we always seem to do, we always seem to at some point go on a good run. Um, then there's there's no reason why we 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 should cut ourselves out of that. And yeah, I know we've we've spoken a lot on the on the pod about about drop points and where we could be if. If we hadn't dropped those points, but I guess the only thing to do is to look at where we are, and that is very, very close to the top of the Premier League. Um, and and all it takes is is a is a good run for for us to be right back amongst it and and right back amongst the favourites. So we've just got to, as you say, Dan, we've got to hit hit that run of form at the right time um, because because you know that Liverpool are going to go on a run, uh, you, you know that Man City are going to go on a run, even Leicester, you know Leicester. We we know that they're capable of just of just winning the games that they should win, which is something that that we seem to be struggling with. Um, so you know they're right in it as well. But you know I, I think we've we've got the squad, we've got the players. It's just that mentality thing, the age old mentality question of, uh, for some reason, when you pull on a Spurs shirt, it turns you into a I think a, a bottler is is what they call it. But hopefully hopefully they they can kind of overcome that and, and you know, hopefully it'll be a, a brand new mentality under Mourinho because that's what we were promised. So let's, let's hit form at the right time uh, and there's, you know, any, anything can happen this season. So let's just put a bit of consistency forward. Well, we almost forget really that we've already had a monster run. 11 games, was it unbeaten? 
you sort of hope or you fear that that hasn't come too early, but then you don't know if Man United's run might come too early. That might drop off within a couple of weeks and they're back to zero. So if we can time our run, you know, February onwards and really hit our strides, then it might just be the sweet patch that gets us over the line come May. But you don't know because there are too many variables and I think Man City might be that team which is just slowly doing their business. They're not brilliant as they were a couple of seasons back, but they are ticking along. So I think it's all down to timing. And yesterday, Holly, it was all down to timing early timing because after such a poor showing on Wednesday it was very important to get out of the blocks quickly and that's exactly what happened when your best mate Serge Aurier headed home after five minutes I know that's what I mean I give him loads of eight and he turns it around that's what I'm saying the magic gem but no I think it was like we said we've all dread when we get an early goal but the fact we managed to push on and then get the second before the the second uh, the first half was finished was brilliant as well there's a brilliant uh, corner in from Sonny and then it just bounces off Serge's nugget so yeah, it was, it was a good performance, definitely, in the first half. And obviously, we pushed that on in the second half as well. Although, due to Sky Sports audio problems, it was a goal before Aurier even headed it. So, the suspense was slightly ruined there because it was like, it's a goal. Oh, and then you saw, saw it. So, uh, yeah, they buggered that up a bit. But in terms of suspense, Cole, the game was all but done and dusted by the time Harry Kane expertly slotted home just before the interval. So, again, credit for him, of course, for getting the finish, a well-taken finish outside the box. But I guess... The sort of squeezing of play, the harassing of Sheffield United to make them do that mistake is something that has to be credited also. Yeah, that, that's the ideal, isn't it? You know, that, that's kind of, you know, what you want to see. I think, you know, most modern sides now have that kind of trigger, don't they, when they go to press and win the ball high up the pitch. Um, and obviously when you do that and you put a team under pressure, you create a mistake. And if you win the ball as high up the pitch as you do there, then you always give yourself that chance, especially when you've got the talent on the pitch that we have in Son and Kane, that one of those players can get onto the ball and do what they did. And, and in Kane, you've got the ultimate player that if he can suddenly pick the ball up in and around the penalty box, if he, you give him time and space to kind of pick a, pick a slot in the goal, he's going to do it. And that was a perfect finish. And as you say, that kind of sets the tone, the way we press there. And that's something I think we wanted to see. We wanted to see more and more of because we have got the players to do that and win that ball early the way we did and again it does yeah if you do that regularly and you do it well then you know you can't go far wrong but I think all in all on Sunday that performance was a much better performance than what we've seen lately and for me that now has to be the benchmark going forward for the rest of the season. Now James at that point 2-0 you're sort of thinking the game should be Wrapped up, done and dusted. However, there was a bit of a plot twist because Sheffield United got themselves back into the game, or at least they got a foothold into the game. What did you make of the lack of urgency in terms of John Fletch cross? Because there wasn't much in the way, well, there was nothing in the way of closing him down and sort of squeezing the space there. So we kind of did a great example with our second goal in what you should be doing in terms of squeezing the play, but we didn't seem to do it when they scored. So what did you put that down to? Yeah, I think it's it's obviously just a little bit of complacency. You know, we're, we're two 0 up. Uh, Sheffield aren't really creating much, and I guess I guess you, you're looking at the the attacking players in front of you, and and you know McGoldrick is not really offered much the whole game, and uh, and then you know our our, our old arch nemesis, which is a, a cross from kind of that area of the pitch, we we seems to be seem to be able, completely unable to deal with with those kind of crosses. Um, Again, you know, I spoke about Dyer earlier. I think he had, he had a decent game, but obviously his his position in is just something that needs that little tweak because he's been caught underneath the ball um, a couple of times now. 
uh, you know, you just you think maybe just just look over your shoulder and that that seems to be that seems to be a weakness of ours is is, is players kind of arriving late and and getting onto one of those one of those in swing crosses. So um, a little bit of complacency, obviously. Um, maybe I mean you can't really blame tiredness, but I think it's. It's 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 obviously an important part of our play is that we we need to push the ball all over the pitch. We need to especially press them from the front. Um, but yeah, a little bit of laziness and and obviously that's that's all it takes. And it's what I mean about you know, sitting back on teams. You know, even even a team that looked as as toothless in attack as as Sheffield United, you, you give them a chance in and around the box. And even if it is someone like David McGoldrick, someone that you don't really think of. As, a, as an established goal scorer, you give them a chance in the box and, and there's every chance that they're going to score it. I, I think, you know, I saw it highlighted. Look at the list of players who've scored against us and it's not exactly a, an astounding list. You know, Calviero, as I say, Schlupp, uh, you know, Safe, people like people that, they, they, they don't score goals, but, but if you give them the chance in the box and there's every, every chance that they will, so yeah, a little bit of laziness, but uh, but luckily we we got away with it. So Holly, what did you make of the formation switch yesterday? Obviously set up to outwit the blades, but you get the feeling after a positive showing that this might be a plan B that we can call upon elsewhere. Now some people will go play three, draw three every week and all this, and you think well, that's too reactionary. But at least you know there is a change of shape that can be unlocked or can be set up should we need it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all kind of. There's lots of people that moan that say that Joe Sam's got a plan B. Maybe this is going to be our plan B from now on. I think I kind of like the way that we set up the fact that we have those two wing backs bombing on forward. And the fact that I like the fact that Hoiberg also pushed forward as well. You can see that Ndombele and him were kind of working in tag team. And to have Hoiberg a bit further up the pitch as well was quite nice. So, yeah, it just gives us another idea just to throw it out there in the pot. And like we say, it works against teams that don't really have anything going forward for themselves. Now, Holly, stay with you. With that change of shape, we saw Undumbele playing a slightly deeper central role, as you just mentioned. So, what an incredible goal from the Frenchman to wrap things up and secure all three points. On a scale of 0-2 Europa League, Harry Winks, did he mean that one? Of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> um, nah, I mean, I think Winks was probably a bit of a fluke, but I think the Dombele, I think he did know where the goal was and I think he it was a bit of luck maybe but he can tell that he knows where the goal is and he's, he's flicked it over there so the fact that it sweetly hits the post and bouncing as well it's just the icing on the cake and he's gone from the Don five bellies to the Don baller that's all I'm saying that the the progression from him as well the fact that he's grown in confidence and I think it's just an attitude change as well like Jose's always banging on about attitude and I think that's a true highlight to a player that's actually managed to turn it around a player that we all, all kind of thought was probably a fluke, a person that we thought that's never going to live up to the expectation that we all want him to. And just getting that goal as well just highlights the true talent that we've finally unlocked. And hopefully it will continue. Well, James, that's it. Because it wasn't just the goal that caught everyone's attention yesterday. It was his all-round performance. And I guess that, in a nutshell, is testament to the turnaround job that he has done. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's been said plenty of times, but... Um, it just shows that it it can be done under under Jose, and I think we all knew that there was a player in there, um, you know, in the in the glimpses that he gave us last season. But his main issue was his inability to to kind of keep up with the pace of the game, uh, and obviously complete ninety minutes, and and that's what he did. Um, you know, he's, it's it's a really important 
part of a Premier League team. If you're going to play in centre midfielders, that you've got to have a good engine on you because it's a it's a physical league. It's it's certainly going to be a, a lot a lot more difficult on the old lungs than than playing in League One because he could you know and Dombele he could have got away with so much playing in League One. You know you look at the way he kind of saunters around the pitch now. Um, imagine what he did in that Farmers League. So it was always going to be a little bit of a step up for him. But he's he's shown that if you put in that hard work and you know what I mean let's 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 not take away from Jose. You know this is a system that that really lends itself towards end on it's, it's not like you know look at Deli Ali's situation if you where would you kind of put him in into that formation that we played yesterday um you couldn't i don't think um so you know it's not like we're playing a system that that lends itself towards someone like Deli Ali um uh, and where when Deli Ali has played he's been played as as what like a number 10 and that's that's not really his position so I guess if we if we're clutching, then then we're saying that that Delhi the the reason that Endombele has been so good and and so reinvigorated is because we're playing a system that that suits him very well, uh, and and we're getting the best out of him. But but Delhi Ali we're we're not. So, um, but you know you have to give enormous credit to the guy because he looked every, every bit the sixty five million pound player yesterday. He's 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 here, there, and every way. He's covered so much ground, and and also when he's got the ball, you always feel like there's there's something that's going to happen. Um, he's he's not a passive player at all. He's 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 as progressive as they come, and he's he's trying to take players on. Uh, and also, you just know that he's got an an incredible eye for a pass that I don't think anyone else in the league has got. You know that the way he kind of flashes the ball into the centre forwards, he kind of plays it with such pace that he can he can find the, the smallest of gaps. And we've seen it so many times, maybe when, when Sonny or Harry, you think if their, if their first touch was slightly better, then he'd have, he'd have more assists this season. But that's something that they're going to get used to. They know that whenever he's got the ball, that they need to make a run into the channels. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully you can stay fit and hopefully you can be a big part of this team to, uh, to, to come to go forward. Now, Carl, we did have chances to add a fourth. Harry Kane should have done better with his at the death. And minutes before that, I have absolutely no idea what Lucas Moura was trying to do. I'm getting a, a huge <laughs> Paulinho versus Burnley vibe here. What do you make of that one? Yeah, I must admit that, you know, obviously when, when Lucas came on, you know, you're just seeing the game out. Um, and I think, as you say, it was almost one of his first touches. Um, and I'm telling you now, if that was a shot, then I think that, yeah, you seriously question how Amsterdam came about. Don't you? <laughs> You're just sitting there thinking, "Wow," you know. And I think he's—I think it was his first two or three touches were all giving the ball away, and you're just scratching your head, going, "Ah, oh, you know, this guy is so frustrating." You know, he'll always be a cult hero for the club. Um, He's—he's he's given us, you know, one of the best nights we'll ever have, and one of the best nights we can remember in a long while. But unfortunately, you know that that attempted shot and a couple of those passes he tried just make you just go. Unfortunately, I think you know time is done for for Lucas. Um, you know, yes, if we were playing a team like Marine each week where he can step on and score free kicks and you know like kind of take the mick, then not a problem. But I think we need to be you know again in the summer. I think when we're looking for upgrades and and possibly taking ourselves to the next level, then I think you know certain players and he's 
definitely one of them you need to look to move on because they don't add the quality that you're really going to need over the course of a season that could push you to a title but as you say Dan that shot was absolutely shocking um, and it just you just put your head in your hands and go wow this is a guy that kind of scored three in Amsterdam uh, and three goals that you kind of go were of the top quality and he must have just wasted himself in one night I mean, when you look at Lucas, how many genuinely good games has he had in Tottenham Colours? I mean, this is off the top of my head. I'm thinking that night in Amsterdam. Night in Amsterdam, and yeah, Huddersfield at yeah. home with a hat trick. Um, and as you say, outside of that, Man United just, when he got a pair. I think those three. That's yes, it. Old Trafford. Yeah, you, you wouldn't sit there and go. You you couldn't particularly pick any more games than those, could you? Where you'd go, wow, yeah, we really saw the guy um, that you thought is a great signing. You know, he might he might work for some clubs. Unfortunately, I just don't think he adds the quality that you need over the course of a season um, to, to push you on to bigger and better things. So, James, Dele Alli didn't even feature yesterday. I and mean, when you've got nine subs to call upon, that's quite a damning indictment now, isn't it? Yeah, and I think look, there were there were loads of opportunities for, for Jose to, to change things around. Um, and it, it, it's kind of showing now, isn't it? Um, it's pretty heartbreaking to think about, you know. I I rate Deli Ali so highly. Um, I think I, I said to you guys um, a couple of weeks ago. I said that I wanted to see Deli Ali playing as as that third player in a front three. Um, he hasn't necessarily got to play as a wide player. Just you know, let let Sonny get, provide the width. Harry's going to drop in. We know who he is. And and sometimes what we're screaming out for is someone to fill the space that Harry Kane leaves. And who has done that better than than Deli Ali in the time that he's been here? Uh, I, I'm, I'm. It's, it's obviously, yeah, it's pretty clear to see that that Jose doesn't want him. Um, but he, this is where things get a little bit, a little bit messy because what's the reason behind that? You know, we don't know what's going on. We don't know whether Delhi's not training very well. We don't know what what's going on with his fitness. Um, and we don't know whether he's he's kind of showing showing the wrong attitude, but. You know, there's a there's a pattern emerging with with Mourinho teams that that he feels the need to freeze someone out to make to kind of make an example of them. And you know, it's maybe he's proven to be right with Pogba at United because you know he hasn't really seemed to to have improved much um, when Jose left. But with Delhi, I think it looks like he he'll be a player that that we're gonna we're all gonna miss massively as a fan base because uh, he's given us so many memories. But um, it looks like it, it might be coming to an end. Um, what, it all hinges on whether whether Levy's going to let the the PSG deal go through because it looks like everybody wants it to happen. Um, but you know, it's all going to hinge on whether whether we we want to put a buy a buy uh, clause in there or, or whether it's just going to be a loan deal for now. Or you know, there's a lot of ins and outs. But but for me, it's it's a sad one because I think Delhi's definitely got got a, a a role to play in this in this team. I think if we, as I say, if we if we maybe altered not our playing style, but if we if we you know played in a way that suited Delhi and 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 there's with Harry Kane playing basically centre midfield, I think there's there's plenty of plenty of opportunities to play Delhi in there. Um, and and as you say, with with so many substitutes. That there's going to come a game where where we're we're absolutely crying out for a player like Deli Ali, and I think when that day comes that we're crying out for him, he's going to be wearing a PSG shirt. So so I think we're going to 
I think we're going to regret this one. Um, but but obviously, at the end of the day, this is what happens when you when you have Jose Mourinho as your manager. Um, he makes some harsh decisions that that some people don't like, uh, and a lot of the time he he makes you know he makes his mind up not based on uh, on what's going on on the pitch, but what's going on off it. So. Let, let's sit back and, and see what happens because obviously the deal's got a, a, a long way to go, especially with, with Daniel Levy at, at the helm. So, um, you know, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Delhi might still be here after the January transfer window. Uh, and if he is, then I, I, hope he, I hope he has a role to play because you know, we owe him a lot more respect than, than what he's being shown at the moment. So, Holly, I've got a comment from uh, Anto Spurs here and he says that he knows the Delhi situation is complicated Delhi's not happy at Spurs and we should let him go on loan and maybe try to increase his value for a summer sale. Now, that seems quite logical, but then Daniel Levy doesn't really run on logic, does he? So can you actually see a deal happening this month or would he be loath to lose him and he then has to rot in the, well, not the reserves, but, you know, just on the fringes, not even that? I mean, yeah, Levy and, like you said, logic doesn't really go together. I... I personally would love him to go on loan to PSG just because if we do decide to sell him come the summer, I just think it'd be a great way to just put him up in the shop window. I think, and plus it just gives him a bit of time to be able to show what he can do and especially reunite with Poch. I just think it'd be a, give him confidence. He'll know what he's expected from Poch and hopefully it'll just push him on. So I think it could work two ways. It could either raise the value of him and we decide that he's still not the player for us, he needs to be sold. Or it just shows that we have been missing Delhi, and the fact that he's gone away to get a change of scenery has boosted the way he plays, has shown him that he does need to work. Because I think that's another thing. I, I just think that his mind isn't in the right place at the moment, and maybe the clash of heads with him and Jose is what's caused him to not maybe want to turn up at training, not put his best in be like, well, I'm not going to get played anyway because he doesn't like me. And I just think the whole scenario just kind of stinks. So hopefully Levy does find a bit of logic and we hopefully see maybe a loan deal come in January and hopefully see him back at the club maybe towards the end of the season. But who knows? OK, then, Carl, final question. Football fans, as we know, are notoriously fickle and have very short memories. So if Tottenham have a successful season and how you actually sort of gauge success is up to you, but let's say, I don't know, a trophy and a top four, and that's without any real Deli Alley input, will Deli Alley be quickly forgotten and sort of Mourinho's, I don't know, sort of lack of love at the moment for him, will that be absolved because he's taken us to that form of success? Yeah, I think as you say, Dan, isn't you? As far as football fans are concerned, you know, we've had you've had plenty of heroes over the course of your time supporting the club, and, and you know, if you look at me, the old the old man of this team, I should imagine here tonight, you know, I've had got lots of heroes who I've come and seen go in Spurs shirts, um, and you know, you never like it when you see one of your best players leave. But as you say, if this season we were to win, let's say we won the League Cup. UEFA Cup and got into the top four. And as you say, Delhi goes this month on loan to PSG. Come the end of the season, you know, there will still be people out there who will have the gripes and want Delhi back. But 
a large majority of us would have to say, well, look, listen, the guy didn't feature much this season and look what we've done. If we now go and strengthen in the summer transfer window and he's not part of Jose's plans, well, then so be it because it looks like Jose's got this team going in the right direction and we are going to start to win things. Um, so, as you say, fans will quickly, you know, you never say you forget somebody, but it will take the blow that they're not there anymore much easier. And we will be sitting there going, well, yeah, we, we've not missed Delhi. You know, the proof is in the pudding, in the results. You know, look at what we've done this season. And he wasn't part of that. So we clearly haven't missed him. Um, none of us want to see him go because we've got fond memories of this guy. But, you know, if, if it's not going to work, then unfortunately, you know, there's only going to be one loser for me this season, you know, Daniel Levy isn't going to suddenly get rid of um, Jose Mourinho because he's not playing Deli Alley. You know, Deli will be the one that goes. Uh, and, you know, who knows? It might be for good. The hope is it's on loan. But, yeah, as you say, Dan, we're all fickle, aren't we? If we're in the top four or potentially, you know, we won two cups and got in the top four or who knows, even God forbid we win or not so God forbid, but God please, we win the title. Come that end of the season when you're lifting that trophy, no one will be sitting there moaning that Deli Alley wasn't in the side in those last few games. I think you're absolutely right, Carl. Right, I think we'll wrap it up there because I want to hold some topics back for next week. So a big thanks to Nigel Johnston, who also asked about Ali, sorry, Ali and the Ericsson potential transfer. So we'll chat about them next week when the transfer window gets closer to being slammed shut. Also, James Smith asked about ins and outs in general. So again, we'll touch on that because we've only got one game to focus on next week. It's all coming thick and fast. So we've got a bit more breathing space next week as we go to Wickham in the Cup. And that's that slice of admin out of the way. The next bit is to thank my three pod squad members, Holly, thanks for joining us tonight. Kicking down the first team door now. Look forward to your next appearance soon. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me on again. I think I lasted the full majority of that time. <laughs> That's it. You've got the end on belly minutes now. You're doing well. Good work, Holes. And also, James, thanks for bossing the middle of the park tonight, mate. I hope you'll be back next week. Always a pleasure. Thanks again, Dan. Lovely stuff. And Cole, thanks for running the channels this evening and wearing the captain's armband as always. No problem, mate. Really enjoyed that one and, and looking forward to next week. Top man. Fantastic. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.